The following message was recorded at Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. More information can be found online at Bethlehem.Church. Let's pray together. So, Father, in this sermon on prayer, we are praying for your help, praying that you would do what you promised to do in Romans 8. Remind us that we're your children. Meet us with the power of the Holy Spirit. Help us to pray. Help us to be invited into a year of prayer for the sake of your name, for the good of our souls, the good of our families, and the good of our neighbors. Lord, please work among your people through your word and by the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, someone right before the service came up to me and said, uh, Romans 8, last time we heard that, I think there were about 28 sermons, so I hope you have something original. And uh, I don't think I do have anything original this morning, but I do think I have something encouraging uh, as we start this new year together. So, so let me tell you my aim uh, this morning. My aim this morning is to invite you to a year of prayer, and, and the way I want to particularly encourage you into this year of prayer is to remind you to see how stepping into a year of prayer will be empowered by the Holy Spirit. In other words, I want you to see that it's really good news that it's not up to you, that you don't have to carry this as a burden, but it's an invitation into the presence of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, my thesis about why prayer is carried along by the Holy Spirit is that every genuine Christian action is empowered by the Holy Spirit. Every genuine Christian action is empowered by the Holy Spirit, and therefore prayer has to be the same thing. And the Bible holds up this really, really big goal of prayer that if we didn't have the Holy Spirit could be really, really overwhelming. Listen to Ephesians six eighteen. It says, Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. It's a lot of alls with our prayer, right? All times in the Spirit, all prayer and supplication, all perseverance for all the saints. Anyone hit those goals in 2021? Right? I didn't hit those goals in 2021, but it's an invitation. It's an invitation that meant to help us see that the Spirit has to carry us along. This is the passage in Ephesians 6.18 that's talking about putting on the armor of God, the armor of God that Christ himself has worn and invites us into if we're united to him. And this verse is telling us what will empower this faithful Christian fight of faith praying at all times in the Holy Spirit. Jude 20 says that to keep ourselves in the love of God, we should pray in the Holy Spirit. Fight the fight of faith, pray at all times in the Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, pray at all times in the Holy Spirit. So we should ask, how do we enter into this Spirit-led prayer? Do we have to work really hard to go to a prayer seminar? Do you have to earn it? Do you have to unlock the next level of your Christian life for the Holy Spirit, 
like you're living in a video game or something, right? Like if you play those video games, you want to get to the next level and there's more powers and there's more help and there's more challenges. Is that how we pray in the Spirit? Well, it's really good news that none of that is how we pray in the Spirit. Listen to Galatians 3, 5 that talks about how the the Spirit is supplied to the people of God. It says, Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law, you earn it, you work your way up to it, or by hearing with faith? What's well, a rhetorical question? Paul is saying it's by hearing with faith. So how does God supply the Holy Spirit to his people by hearing with faith. So here's the good news this morning. If you have heard the good news of Jesus in the word of God and believed it, if you believed it, then the Spirit has been supplied and will continue to be supplied to you all of your days. You don't have to unlock a new level to your Christian experience. You don't have to unlock a new level to your Christian maturity. You just need to start talking to God. It's that simple. You just need to start talking to God. If you want to start praying for your own soul and praying for the souls of this family in this room, some of you watching at home, then the good news is you don't have to do what you do at Christmas time to get a little more prepared to show up to that family gathering to be helpful and loving. And there's no last-minute shopping to get prepared to be able to pray better. You have all you need. You have the Holy Spirit. It's been purchased. He supplied it to you by faith. So I'm going to walk through a few points with nothing original in Romans 8 fairly quickly today to invite you into this Spirit-empowered prayer. And my hope is I'll go a little bit shorter, and then we're going to spend time actually praying today. So let's, let's dive in here to Romans 8. And I had Bill read the whole passage because it's glorious, and to give you the context as I kind of go and pick and choose here the verses that pertain to prayer So first, the entryway to prayer in the Spirit. Listen to Romans 8, verses 1 to 4. This is how we enter into prayer in the Spirit. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. The entryway to prayer in the Spirit is found in these verses because it's the entryway to life in the Spirit. How do we enter into true prayer in the Spirit? Well, it's how we enter into life in the Spirit. And the answer is we trust in the finished work of Jesus. This says Jesus Christ was sent by the Father in the likeness of our flesh to take on our sin in His flesh and then rose again victorious over death. There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. 
Isn't that good news this year? Isn't it good news that there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus as you approach a holy God in prayer? How would you want to pray? How would you want to go to the throne of prayer if you were going to a holy God wondering if there was any condemnation left? Right? You'd be burned up if there was any condemnation left and you approached the throne. But here it says, no condemnation no condemnation. So as you approach his throne, you know you have the Spirit and there's only grace and mercy and well-timed help at that throne, no longer judgment or condemnation. If you have trusted in Jesus, you're united with him. You're free from sin and death, brought into the life of the power of the Holy Spirit. By the finished work of Jesus, you can walk by the Spirit. The Spirit dwells in you and begins to change your desires and your loves and your passions and your affections. Now, if you haven't trusted in Jesus, Romans 8 would tell us that you're still living in the flesh. If you're sitting here today listening to me and you you haven't trusted in Jesus and you're bored or frustrated or even annoyed, I'm not offended. You're still trying to earn your acceptance from different places or different people. You cannot please God, and you cannot want God. We shouldn't be offended at a world that can't please God and does things contrary to God and doesn't want God, because they can't. They cannot do this apart from the life of the Holy Spirit. And this is a warning from Romans 8. If you find in yourself... No desires for nearness with Jesus. No desires in your sin to put it away and walk towards Him. No desire for deeper fellowship with Him in prayer. It could be that you're still living in the flesh. The Christian life is not a life of behavior modification. It's a life of heart surgery by the power of the Holy Spirit to take out the the heart of stone and put in the heart of flesh. We're not after behavior modification. We're after worship and fellowship with God. And if you've trusted in Jesus, you are accepted and you're in. You're in the family of God. You can walk according to the Spirit. You can pray in the Spirit at all times. You can obey that command to pray in the Spirit at all times. All you have to do is say, Spirit, help. (laughs) Help me pray. And the Spirit who dwells in you will help you pray in the Spirit. You are a child of God. The work of Jesus in the life of the Spirit is the entryway to Spirit-empowered prayer, which again is good news. It means we're all level at the foot of the cross. There's no graduate level. There's no varsity in junior varsity prayers in the Christian life. There's just broken people going to a throne for grace. Point number two, the essence of prayer in the Spirit. If we were to unpack verses 5 to 13 in Romans, it would pick up on this theme of life in the Spirit versus life in the flesh. Life in the Spirit being ability. Can I walk in the Spirit? Now, can I walk with Jesus? Can I walk in life and peace and hope Life in the flesh being inability. We cannot please God. Death, hostility towards God. And I think that the essence of life in the Spirit is that we can actually fellowship with God. It's what life in the Spirit is. The essence of life in the Spirit. The brokenness of sin 
in Genesis 3 came and ruined fellowship with God. And the good news of the gospel is that Jesus came to forgive sin and restore fellowship with God. And the way that works itself out in the life of the Christian day by day is the power of the Holy Spirit. We are now sons and daughters of God as our deepest identity and the Holy Spirit lives inside of us mainly to remind us of that, mainly to lead us in that remember who you are. And so I think the essence of prayer in light of life in the Spirit, fellowship with God, the essence of prayer is simple. It's kids, children, talking to their dad. It's children talking to their father. That's the essence of prayer. So if you're thinking you need to take some Ph.D. level class on prayer, just take a deep breath and talk to your father. I know some of you didn't have dads that were easy to talk to. I know that that's hard for some of you. Some of you had awesome dads, easy to talk to them. Some of you have dads that are, that are broken and it wasn't so easy to talk to them. It was hard. This is a dad you can talk to. This is a dad that hears you and, and loves you and wants you to come and bring all your stuff. Listen to verses 14 to 17 of Romans 8. It says, All who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. You have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. If you have the Spirit of God, by the blood of Jesus, then you're a child of God. You're a child of God. It's your deepest identity. If you are children of God, that's who you are, then you don't need to fall back into the fear of condemnation or fear of death or fear of guilt or fear of shame. Rather, you know you've been adopted as a child of God, which means you're safe. You're home. You belong. You're in. Right? That, that's never going to change. This adoption is full and free and forever. And then as children, we simply cry, Abba, Father, 24-7 access to our Father in the midst of suffering with Christ in the broken world. Any moment of the day, any moment of the night, you just cry out, Abba, Father. And He's there. He's always there. And as we cry out to him, this is amazing. I want to spend longer on this. I don't have time if we're actually going to pray. But imagine this gift. Imagine what he's saying in this gift of the Holy Spirit. As we cry out to him, the Spirit has been given to remind our spirits that we're his children. What kind of love is that? I'm going to put my Holy Spirit in you so that when you cry out to me, you'll remember you're mine. That when you cry out to me in the darkness, in the suffering, in the brokenness that will surely hit you in this life, the tragedy of this life, I'm going to give you myself, my Holy Spirit, just so you know you're mine. We could talk about that forever, right? What a gift 
of a loving God to bear witness with our spirit that we are children of God and not only children, but heirs of all things. Everything belongs to you. You're an heir of all things. The new heavens and new earth belongs to you so that we can know this world of suffering and pain is not worth comparing to the glory that is coming soon. We don't pray to earn something. We're already heirs of everything. What what else could you earn in prayer? Instead, we pray to remember we're children of God by the power of the Spirit. You probably know the other time we see these words, Abba, Father, in the New Testament. Probably know where they are. It's when Jesus is praying in the garden before his arrest, beatings, and persecution. And that's what the Spirit has us pray. Perhaps you struggle to think God will hear you or he really loves you like a member of the family. Does he really love me? Could he really hear me? What about all this stuff in my past? What about all this stuff in my presence? Surely this suffering and brokenness means he's not near to me. And he says, I'm going to put the Spirit in you, and I'm going to remind you that you belong to me by the power of the Spirit, and I'm going to have you pray the prayer that my son prayed to me before the greatest suffering of the world for the salvation of your soul. That's who you are. That's how much my child you are. That's who you are. That's how much my son or daughter you are. You will pray the very prayer of fellowship with me that my son prayed in the garden on his way to the cross for you. When Jesus is praying in that garden, (laughs) he struggled too. (laughs) Father, let this cup pass from me. God isn't looking for perfectly put together, perfectly curated prayers. He's looking for children talking to their Father. The Spirit helps us pray the same prayer that Jesus prayed to the Father, and God hears us like He heard Jesus. And as we pray, the Spirit reminds us we're children of God. Let me give an analogy. Right now, I have little kids, and sometimes the night is scary. I was scared of the night when I was a little kid, too. And so inevitably, I think almost every night, at some point I'll hear someone call out, or we'll hear someone call out, Dad, you follow the voice, soon they'll appear at the top of the stairs. Dad, or I'll have someone tap me and wake me up to come and help them fall back to sleep. Or sometimes they're doing that thing where they're just standing there and you wake up and it scares you and you try not to hit them. (laughs) Or sometimes they just crawl right into bed. Right? And you wake up in the morning and they're just there. And as they do that, they feel safe. Reminded they're cared for and loved in the darkness and the fears of life. That's what prayer is. That's what prayer is. I was always there. I was just down the stairs around the corner. I wasn't more there because they came and scared me. (laughs) That's what prayer is. It's drawing near to our Father, remembering He's there. He's strong. It's safe in the night. This is the essence of prayer. Talk to your strong Father. Think of the kind of God we have that with all the stuff that's in me, 
He says, pour out your heart before me in the Psalms. What I want you to do, just, just pour it out. Read some of those Psalms. Some of those Psalms are grimy. Right? Some of those Psalms, if someone's praying them in your prayer group, you'd like step to the side and wait for the lightning bolt, right? They're, they're ugly. They're hard prayers. Our God will never be annoyed that you're not articulate or sophisticated enough. Our God will never be frustrated with your finite frailty or your continued confession of the same sin. He won't. Confessed it a thousand times. He is pleased that you approach him and confess it that thousand and first time. Our God has given you access. We have access by the Spirit to God. Our God has love that's unconditional. Our God wants to hear you. So just start talking to him this year. Start talking to him this year. And let the Spirit remind you that you're as much his child as Jesus is. Right? This, this is not a performance. Right? You don't, you don't have to have everything perfect and, and write it all out and figure out exactly what you're going to say and be worried about doing it all perfectly. It's not curated. This is a relationship. This is a real thing. Like, you all know Jesus is really alive. Right? You all know our, our God is, is real. He's here with us right now. Jesus is praying over us right now. It's a real relationship. So just talk to him this year. Pour out your heart before him. Point number three, the eagerness of prayer in the Spirit. So let's look at verses 23 to 25. It says, Not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown Inwardly, as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies, for in this hope we were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he sees, but if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. So, why should we be eager to pray? Why should we be eager to talk to our Father? Well, if we're in Christ, in the Spirit, we have the first fruits of the Spirit. Now take that to mean that we have this initial harvest of fellowship with God being restored in our hearts, this initial harvest by the power of the Holy Spirit. He really is as good as He says He is. We can begin to see reality and how good it is to have God as our Father and walk in a life of Spirit-led obedience to Him like Nathan preached about a couple weeks ago. We begin to want more fellowship with Him. We begin to want to see His kingdom come and we know we can't do it on our own, so we pray. And with those first fruits who are especially eager to pray because like all of creation, we also see the brokenness around us and the brokenness still inside of us, right? We all want more glimpses of that Revelation 21 reality of no tears and no suffering and no chaos and no death and perfect enjoyment of God in the bright light of Jesus for all of eternity. We all want more of that to break in now, don't you? Don't you want more of that in your life to break in now? Like, God, would you heal them? And God, would you heal my heart and restore that relationship and save my neighbor? Break in, God. God, I've tasted you. You're good. You're worthy. You're worth all my praise. 
all of creation for all of eternity but will be worshiping you and my heart is still finite and broken and my neighbors don't see you at all. And there's suffering in sin. Lord, we want more. That's why we pray. Just this inner groaning of the, the taste that we've received and the brokenness that's still here. Right? We know that in His presence there's fullness of joy and at His right hands are pleasures forevermore. And we know that so much is still broken. And I'm assuming this will keep happening, but the longer I pray and the more I see and the closer I get to Jesus and the more I see the brokenness, this angst, this tension just builds up in me more and more, I feel like, every single day. I think until eternity when it's all taken away. So we're waiting eagerly for our full adoption to that reality, even though we are already adopted. We're waiting eagerly for the redemption of our bodies that will be free of sin and suffering to fully enjoy Jesus in a world of love. And we groan in prayer because we've tasted the goodness of Jesus and yet we still live in our broken bodies in this broken world with sin sickness all around us and certainly still inside of us. And so we pray. And we pray with eagerness. We pray in the hospital room where suffering is big. I was just in one of those this week and we pray this groaning. <laughs> this, oh, it's not how it's supposed to be. It's not how it's supposed to be, but someday soon it will not be this anymore. We pray in the small group where tragedy strikes and we need Jesus to come and meet our friends in their need. We pray in the quiet where we talk to God about our sins and our sadness that still plagues us more than we wish it did. We pray in those impossible situations where your heart just aches. You've got no words left. We pray by the power of the Spirit who lives inside of us. We pray for all the saints. We pray for our neighbors to come into this life of the Spirit. Oh, how we want them to come in. Prayer is how we wait eagerly. Prayer is how we wait eagerly. Prayer is us talking to our Father to remind ourselves by the Spirit that we belong to Him. Prayer is a fitting groaning of lament that we've tasted His goodness and we know things are not yet how they should be. Prayer is a deep groan of sadness. It's a deep groan of hope. Prayer is an eager waiting because we know we are His children and we know one day soon all things will be made new. And so we pray. Point number four. The empowerment of prayer in the Spirit. Perhaps you're thinking, but Dave, sometimes I don't even know what to pray. Well, I'm glad you said that. Because remember, every genuine Christian action is empowered by the Spirit. So this is not in your strength. This is not in, in your wisdom. And in fact, I think it would be a really good starting place for many of our prayers to simply admit that we don't know what to pray. So you're like, how do I start praying? I haven't talked to him in a while. It's awkward, right? That's how relationships are. Sometimes we haven't talked in a while. Just start this year by saying, I have to admit, I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to pray. 
I, I don't know what, what you want me to pray. I don't know what to do here. Romans eight twenty six to 27 says this, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So just full confession to you, I often begin my prayers like this. Lord, I don't know exactly what's best or what's needed in this situation. I mean, there are, there are, I'm not kidding, hundreds of situations every year that I get a call about or know a meeting's coming about, and I'm just going, I don't know. I know, I think seminary prepared me for that. Of course it didn't. I just, I don't, I don't know what to pray I don't even know what's best. I don't, I don't know if this should happen or if this should happen. I don't even know why any of the stuff that got us here happened. I don't, I don't know what should happen in this health situation or this financial situation or this relational situation. I don't know. I don't know for me. I don't know for my family at home. I don't know for this family of our church. But Lord, you know. You know. And your spirit dwells in me to empower my prayers right now and pray according to the will of God. You can't do your Christian life if you think you have to have all the answers. You just can't. There are times I don't even have words as I think about a desperate health situation. Just think about the sadness that's there. Or a broken marriage. Or an unexpected and difficult circumstance, or a relational break between brothers and sisters here in our blood bought family. But I just want to encourage you. This is just a, an encouragement of three things that often happen in the situations where I don't really know what to do, and I stop and I just confess that. So I want to give you three things that often happen in, in my life as this reality of I don't know what to pray comes on my mind. First, often I'll find myself praying what I know is true for these people and true for the situation and what God wants for them for sure in the Word of God. Often that's what happens. I just find myself praying and the Holy Spirit's leading me from verse to verse, from text to text, connecting things that I wasn't even expecting to pray. He's doing that. I often start praying the promises of the Bible, the, the callings on the Christian found in the Bible, the realities of the Word of God. And I really believe that's not mainly me doing a really good job connecting things. I really believe that's the Holy Spirit empowering me to pray the will of God. I think that's exactly what's happening. That's why we, we do this every year as, as a family. We do a, a memorization together as a family. We choose some chapters of the Bible. We say, let's, let's memorize these together. Let's go after the Lord together. Because I just want you to have all this in you. So in those moments where you don't know what to pray, the Spirit just starts grabbing verses that you memorized five, six, ten, twelve years ago and praying them over people. That happened for me this week. A verse I think I'd memorized twelve years ago just came out. <laughs> I hadn't thought about it for a decade. And the Holy Spirit just leading that prayer. That's not me. I didn't warm up or practice on the way in the car. How am I going to do this? The second thing 
that often happens is that I'll just sit in silence. I just want you to have the freedom to do that. I'll just sit in silence and say, Abba, Father, and confess that I don't even have verses to pray. And in that moment, here's the good news, I can trust that the Spirit is praying the will of God on my behalf and on behalf of these people with groanings too deep for words. On behalf of my heart, on behalf of my family, on behalf of the blood-bought family. So don't feel the need to always say something. If you don't got words and the verses don't come, don't go, oh, Spirit left me, left me out to dry in this one. Just sit in silence and remember that you're a child of God and let the Spirit pray on your behalf. And third, and maybe the sweetest thing that often happens, is if I'm praying with someone and I just find myself, I don't know what to pray here, I find that almost every time I start that way, God gives me a renewed affection and love for the people I'm praying with. I don't know what to pray, but I I love them. (laughs) I want what's good for them. I want to help them right now, and often the Holy Spirit comes in and just grants this renewed affection and love and care for them that just helps me to pray simple prayers of hope for them with great joy and genuine love because the Spirit reminds me that we're children of God in this family together. And He meets in that moment. My kids and me... (laughs) I always use my kids, but me. Everything I say about my kids is true of me at a more sophisticated adult level where I'm able to cover up my weaknesses. Um, My kids have lots of areas of life where they don't even know enough to know what to ask for. Right? They They just know they need something. Right? It's like, it's like the epitome of when you have a newborn baby and they're crying in the middle of the night and you're like, I guess we just go through the list. Right? <laughs> Hungry? Not hungry. Your diaper change? No. Cold? No. And then sometimes you're still crying, right? You never figured it out. Well, that, that's what it's like. And there's no shame in that, right? We don't look at that little baby that can't tell you exactly what they need and go, stupid baby. Right? Right? Or, or when, you're, when your child's learning to walk or you've been, ever been around that and they take a couple steps and fall down and go, stupid kid, run. Right? That's, that's not what we, what we do, and yet so often isn't that how we think our Father views us? Our Father, who before the foundation of the world chose you. Our Father, who sent His Son to live the perfect life you couldn't live and die the death you deserve to die, and then had His Son rise again to conquer death and sent His Holy Spirit in you just so there'd be someone in you to remind you that you belong to Him and empower your prayers to Him. Don't you think he's okay if you don't always exactly know what to do or what to pray? Don't you think that he's not up there wringing his hands going, ah, more prayer seminars. He just wants you to talk to him and pour out your heart before him. So we're going to enter into a, a time here of extended prayer for seven or eight minutes. But before we do that, I just want to remind you of one thing. That, and what I want to remind you of is that as we're praying here in this room, we won't be the only ones praying. So listen to Romans 8.34. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God. And what is he doing there? What's he doing there? You have your Bibles open? What's he doing? 
He's interceding on our behalf. So we're going to go now to the throne of grace. I'm going to lead us through some prayer points. But as we do that, would you remember, even as you're praying, that your God so loves you, your Savior so loves you, that He's given you His Spirit to give you access. And that as you pray to Him, Jesus is praying for us. So would you bow your heads and we'll pray a little right now. So would you start right now by just praying to your Father about His glories. Would you, as you've heard today, just praise Him, hallow His name as your Father for all that He's done to bring you into this family, to give you this salvation. And now I want you to think of the area of your life that you know is most difficult or where you've been running from God the most and would you pray to him about that area, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. Ask him to break in and do his will in your life this new year. Now I want you to think of that sin that brings you the most shame and the most guilt. Ask Him for forgiveness. And now I want you to think of the person that you're most frustrated or angry with and I want you to bless them. Ask God to bless them and pour out His mercy on them like you just asked for His mercy for you. Finally, would you ask him that this would be a year where he leads you away from temptation, deliver you from the schemes of the evil ones, that this would be the year of fullest joy in sweet obedience to your Father. So, Father, we're about to come and eat and drink with Jesus. And I pray that this year would be the year where we'd realize the privilege we have in prayer all the more and we'd start talking to you more than we ever have before. Help us be a people that realizes our our neediness and our childlikeness and pours out our hearts before you. Help us be a people that groans in eager hope and deep sadness over the brokenness of this world. Lord, help us be a people that trust in the empowerment of your spirit to carry our prayers. And Lord, would the result of our prayers be a reminder that we are your children in a longing 
to live in sweet obedience to you and make you known to those around you that others might come in as your children as well. So meet us now as we come and eat and drink with Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter their content in any way without written permission from Bethlehem Baptist Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at Bethlehem.Church or write us at 720 13th Avenue South, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55415. Bethlehem Baptist Church, spreading a passion for the supremacy of God in all things, for the joy of all peoples, through Jesus Christ.